Thank you for connecting to this podcast from Faith Renewed Outreach Center. We hope that it's an encouragement to you today. For more information, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. If you have your Bibles, turn to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. Again, this is um, probably no other pastor across America is preaching from Revelation today. And, um, but you'll find out why we do here in just a moment because this is a good little, good little couple of verses tucked in here in Revelation. So as you turn there, just a, just a quick, quick brief history of this book. Um, it was written by a guy named John, and John was exiled. John, that means he was set out on an island, and he was set there and put in that place for preaching the gospel for taking the name of Jesus to the world. And so he was put in that place to be tortured. And, uh, and I'm telling you, when you get into a place of, of pain and hurt and anguish and sometimes for doing the right thing, that's tough. That's a difficult place. But in that, he was placed out on that island, but all it did was just set up a great opportunity for him to spend time with God. And uh, Jesus shows up on the scene. So if you have the red letter edition today, you'll see that this is red letter. This is Jesus speaking right here. This is his words. And I love it. I love that he's in... Uh, uh, the, the book of Revelation, again, we see earlier in this text that he's Alpha, Omega, he's beginning, end, he's first, last, come on, he's, he's God. So uh, we get to see Jesus speak here. So this is cool. This is in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, and we're going to jump in this thing. Verse 17 says that, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Now, again, remember, this is what's going on here, that, that John being placed on this island, and while he's there, things begin to take place as he begins to come together and, and have this encounter. And, and, and the words in Red Letters says this. It says that he laid, it, his, he laid his right hand on him, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I love that. I am he who lives. Amen. Aren't you thankful he's living? He was the he who was dead. I'm thankful that he died and gave his life. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. We sung that song a while ago. That was good news. He's alive forevermore. Amen. And I love this. He says, I have the keys of Hades and of death. And so um, let's do this. We love to just pray and talk to God around here. So let's just talk to him one more time. Thank him for his word. Thank you today, Lord, for letting us come back in this place again and just spend some time celebrating our risen King, God, celebrating today, Lord, that our God is alive. He's not dead. Lord, we thank you that you're a living God who loves us, who wants to have a relationship with us, who wants us to grow and can just come into a deeper encounter with you each day. I'm thankful for that. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Thank you for sending him to, to pay the ultimate price, to pay a debt we couldn't pay, Lord, so we could be in this room today and celebrate today. God, I'm thank you for each person here. Thank you have power of life and death, and we give you praise for it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Today, we're kicking off a new series, as you see on the screen, called Alive. Uh, kind of fitting that we're talking about Jesus being alive today as we kick off this new series. And this is just week one. Um, this, is, this is a series that I'm going to be teaching over several weeks. And uh, it's going to be more than just us coming in and just talking about Jesus today. We're going to kick it off with this because it's the reason that he is alive is the reason we can have life. And so I'll say more about that in a moment. But there are some things that hinder us sometimes for living that alive life, for living the abundant life that God has for us. So just a quick preview. These are some of the things we're going to be talking about during this series. And uh, kind of funny or interesting, but they all started with F as the Lord kind of gave them to me as I was preparing for this series. Uh, we're going to be dealing with the, with the subject of fear, uh, faith, forgiveness, 
Amen. That's a big one. Failure, uh, family, finances, and freedom from bondages. Amen. And so there's going to be a lot of things that we're going to get into and dig in during this series, but we're going to kick it off today. And the reason that we can be free and have victory in all of those areas is because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so today we're going to celebrate that day. We're going to kick this off. I'm going to give you about four things today in those two verses that I feel like that God would have me say to you. And um, the first one is this, <clears throat> that there is no fear in Jesus. Okay? There is no fear in Jesus. We see in this red letters that the very first thing that Jesus says here when he comes and places his hand upon John, he tells him, don't be afraid. Now, it is kind of interesting to me, and I don't blame him for saying that. That's probably, the, probably what he should have said, because think about this for a moment. You get put out on an island by yourself to, to, to die and to rot and to finish life. So you're living on this island by yourself, and so you're there alone. You're spending this time just kind of meditating, thinking. The Bible says it was the Lord's day, and all of a sudden, you start hearing voices. Um, <clears throat> that could begin to kind of start get, getting interested in there. So he's on the island. He begins to hear voices. And then somebody puts his hand on him. Probably the good thing Jesus said, go ahead and not to be afraid, because that's probably what happened in that moment. Because, again, it would be fearful to think about for a second if you were there by yourself. But I love what Jesus says. And you see this throughout Scripture Jesus does not want us to be afraid to have encounters with him. Jesus never in any way wants you to be afraid. He today, if you haven't surrendered your life to him, he doesn't want you to be fearful in giving your life over to Jesus. He doesn't want you to be fearful in starting this relationship with him. We should never be in fear as a Christian. The Bible says he hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of love, power, a sound mind. So these are all the things that God has for us, and he doesn't in any way want us to live a life or walk in any type of fear. But so many times the enemy begins to do this. He begins to get in our minds. He begins to play those tricks on us and begins to get us into a place of fear, but we should never be in fear. A relationship with God should be in a place of peace. It should be a relationship of rest. And so it's not constantly having to be fearful all the time of trying to say, maybe I'm going to be good enough to be in a relationship. God is a daddy. He is a daddy who loves his kids. And if you're in a relationship with him through Jesus, you have a relationship with a father who loves so much to want to have encounters with you and just put his arms around you and spend time with you. And so that should never consist of fear. And you see it. I love it. You see in Scripture, Jesus began to paint this picture throughout history that he comes in contact and encounters with people, and each time as someone who has a relationship with him, you see him have hear the words said, don't be afraid. He doesn't want you to be in fear of him. Take your Bible and do this. Turn to Matthew real quick, if you have it, would you? Uh, Matthew is, uh, we just had the last book in the Old Testament. We're going to go to the first one in the, in the New Testament. We're going to go to the first one there. And it's in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28. This is cool because you see here in Scripture, and again, this is today, this is the story. This is the story that we're celebrating. This is the story the, of, of, of why we're here today celebrating the fact that Jesus is risen. In Matthew 28, verse 1, it says this. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, 
Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And so this is the story of Jesus. This is where Jesus had done this. Jesus had, had gave his life, got on the cross, and died in our place for our sins and took the penalty and the payment of our death and our sin upon, upon his, his back and got on the cross and gave his life. And then as a result of that, we know that Jesus gave his life, got in the tomb, and they come here to see him. And in verse 2 says, Behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. Is that cool or what? I mean, you know, I, I, I like that. I, I, uh, I would imagine, you know, again, these are government tombs and seals that they try to place on him, and they had guards around him. They wanted to make sure. They wanted to make sure Jesus was dead. They wanted to make sure he wasn't getting out of that tomb, and so they sealed this thing up, had guards in place, and the angel of the Lord comes and descends from heaven. Man, I love that. And verse 3 says, his countenance was like lightning. And his clothing was as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. If you're not in a relationship with, with him, that can cause fear in your life. If you're not had an encounter with, with the living, resurrected Jesus, fear is going to be a part of your life. But I love what happens next. Verse 5 says, The angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know who you seek, Jesus, who was crucified. But he's not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. Wow. I mean, you see these, these ladies who had this relationship with Jesus was coming even to even take care of his body after it was dead, and they said, do not be, be fearful. Verse 7 says, and go quickly, tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead Indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him, and behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear. And again, that fear is a completely different word. That fear there is in awe. Amen. We should be in awe of God. We should sit back in total amazement sometimes about how much God loves us. We should sit back and, and, and just, just and somehow just try to think about the goodness of God. This great big God right now, the Bible says, earth's his footstool. Think he's big enough to take care of your need? Oh, come on. Now, I think he's good enough. I think he's big enough. And so it says, so they went out quickly, ran to bring his disciples' words. And verse 9 said, and as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. So they came and held him by his feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be, come on, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren <clears throat> to go to Galilee and there you Excuse me. Uh -uh. And so you see in this text, in the scripture here, again, where Jesus is saying, do not be fearful. Don't be afraid. You should never in any way be afraid, man, to surrender and give your life to Christ. And I love the story. You see it throughout time. Again, you see it from the very beginning where Jesus was born. Again, we're celebrating the resurrection, and Christmas is the time we celebrate his birth. But it is very cool that to see in the very beginning that Jesus is telling, or the angel is telling those shepherds out in the field, don't be afraid. It's the first, very first thing it says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news, good tidings of great joy. It's good news what Jesus has done. Oh, come on. Y'all quiet this morning. Come on. This is 11.15. Come on. Y'all sure have had your coffee. Come on. It, it, it's good news that Jesus has come. It's good news that he's alive today. This is good news. And in never in any way do we ever have to be fearful when it comes to a relationship with Jesus. 
We can trust in him. We can trust in that promise and trust in what he did for us. And I'm so thankful. Pretty cool. Next thing is we see in Revelation is this. He says, do not be afraid. And the second thing is we see here is that Jesus died. I mean, come on, just think for a second. We can't have a resurrection. We can't celebrate him getting up out of a tomb unless, first of all, he gave his life and died. He surrendered. He gave everything for us. And everything in Christianity hinges upon this point. If, if we don't get this and understand that Jesus was risen and, and, and he came back to life, but first he died. You can't have a resurrection without death. And so Jesus did this. Jesus died for us. You see it in Scripture taken all the way back 700 years before it ever took place by the prophet Isaiah. Some people call Isaiah the fifth gospel because you see a picture painted out of what Jesus would do before it ever took place. And then Jesus does this. He comes and fulfills the promise. He comes and fulfills the word that was spoken. And Jesus, I believe, he died. Now, there's Christian science. There's Islam. There's other teachings and things that say Jesus did not die. They're saying, well, he just kind of, he kind of passed out. He swooned. He, he kind of went out. No, Jesus died. He gave his life for us. And, and, and it just, if we, if we ever begin to wrap our hearts and minds around the fact that Jesus took our place, that he gave his life and died for us, that does something to you. It does something in your life when you begin to think about that Jesus really died. And I, I trust that. Uh, I, I just believe that. And, and it's kind of interesting. I begin to think about a story when I thought about something, what you thought was dead, you know, but came back. And I, I'll tell you the punchline in a minute. But listen to me. I grew up in a home of four boys. And, and the home of four boys that I had, uh, my dad just worked one job. Mom didn't work. A lot of not, not tons of finances floating through our, our family. And so we didn't go to the doctors for everything. We didn't go to hospitals for everything. We, we rarely went to the hospitals and doctors unless it was something very major. I, I, I remember many times where, you know, really, you know, I, I feel like it was bad enough to go. You know what I'm saying? I just, that was just my opinion. I feel like it was bad enough to go. One of those times it was definitely time to go was this. Me and my brother, I'm the youngest. He was five years older than me. I remember the time when I felt like I had finally arrived. I mean, come on. I, it, was, it was that time, it was that place, it was that moment where me and my brother were playing basketball in the backyard, Black Your Lottie store. It, it was where we were celebrating. We were in the backyard, man, having a good time, man, being brothers, living life. And he always enjoyed playing me in basketball until that day because that was the first day and the first time that I ever beat him. And it's not a good deal when your five-year uh, younger brother beats you in basketball. He didn't like that. So what he proceeded to do was dribble the basketball off me. <laughs> he, was, he, was, uh, he was five years older, five years bigger. And so I did exactly what I felt like I should have done. I kicked him where it hurt. And I took off running, man, just as fast as I could run. I mean, I was wide open running that thing out. And in our house growing up, my dad, he's an antique collector and dealer and junk man. And, and it just, I mean, there's always usually things around our house. And so he did this. My brother picked up the closest thing to him, which so happened to be a lead pipe. Oh, yeah. This, this, don't, get, this don't get pretty at all. This gets ugly. I proceeded to run. He proceeded to throw the lead pipe. And the lead pipe proceeded to hit me in the back of the head and cut me a flip. And so after I got up, I ran inside, trying my best to tell on my brother. And he comes running in the house, Mommy, he fell. Mama, Terry, he fell. He's, he's hurt. And every time the heartbeat, the blood would go. 
Oh, yeah, it was one of them. I'm telling tell you, this is kind of rough. But it got difficult that day. Uh, Mama's one of those, just wipe it off, son, spit on it, you know, and, you know, it, it's, it's going to be okay, you know. I remember time, one time I broke three toes, and the toes were pointed back towards me. Oh, they're not broke, son. Come here, let me fix it. And, you know, and, and, and just so, so we didn't go much. The animals in our house definitely wasn't going to be going unless it was something brutal. And I don't even remember a day we ever took a dog to the vet. I remember going through a lot of dogs growing up for some reason. <laughs> but um, we had one dog one time named Bobo. Bobo had nine lives. Bobo had been shot. Bobo had been hit. Bobo had been in fights. Bobo had a bad day. And I remember one time specifically that, that, that Bobo had been hit already had gun holes in him and stuff like that. <laughs> Bobo had been hit, and we brought Bobo, and we, and we laid him down in the backyard. I wasn't too far from the basketball goal, if I'm come to think of that. And so we, we laid him down, and, and, and they told me, they said, Terry, you just need to go on inside. I was crying, man. It's Bobo. And I mean, I was hurting. And, and, and so, we, so I, I go inside. Now, I remember this. I went inside the house. I went to my backyard, and I looked out, and the kind of basketball goal was right outside my window. And I was looking on Bobo, man, and I don't remember if I prayed or not. I, I, don't, I can't remember. But either way, I, this happened, and this is, this is the truth. This is not a preacher story. Bobo got up, and Bobo walked off. Come on. And Bobo once again had conquered death, hell, and the grave. Amen. Amen. And it was exciting. It was exciting. And so here's the deal with this, and here's, here's the truth. And I come to find out Bobo eventually just disappeared one day. I mean, I don't know. He did. He, did. he just disappeared one day. We never saw him again. So I've been told. I don't know. Um, so, but, but here's the truth. Jesus really died. He really died. He gave his life. Remember, spoken by the prophet. Jesus comes in and does this. He even predicts his own death. He speaks this forth. Listen to the book of Mark, chapter 10, verse 33. It says, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priest and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. This is Jesus telling the story about his life. And he says in verse 34 that, and they will mock him, they will scourge him, and spit on him, and they'll kill him. I love this last part. And the third day, come on, small, we're here today, guys. He'll rise again. Amen. He will come back to life. Jesus speaks this. He says this. And you know what? It happened, I believe, exactly as it says. If you study Scripture, you realize just how dead Jesus was because the Bible says that they took him and they put him on a whipping post and they tied him to the whipping post and they began to beat him. There were a lot of people that would die on the whipping post, but Jesus couldn't die there. <coughs> scripture said that he had to be raised up and Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I draw men to me. And So Jesus was this. Jesus didn't die there. Jesus surrendered his life and got on the cross and died in a place. And I believe this. I believe when he closed his eyes, the Bible says he gave up his spirit and when he surrendered his life, he gave that for each of us in this room. And remember this. They didn't take his life. Jesus himself said, no man takes my life, but I freely lay it down. That is a free gift for you. That means that nobody could come at any moment. Jesus could have called down angels. At any moment, he could have stepped down. When they were mocking him on the, on the, when he was on the cross, telling him, if you are the Lord, come down from there, he could have. But in full humility, in, in, in full surrender of his life, and in stepping down from heaven, getting onto this earth and getting into a cross, Jesus dies for us. 
He gives his life for us. But again, that's not the end of the story. You know that's why we're here. The third thing is this, is that Jesus lives. Come on, hear this. He said, I am he who lives and was dead, but behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And Jesus comes back to life, and he defeats death. He defeats hell. He defeats the grave. And I love what he does. I, it, from, from day one, people want to doubt the story. I mean, you still see it today. People want to doubt and say, well, I don't believe that really happened. And, and, and people, I don't think Jesus really did that. He was probably a good guy. He was a good man. I think he was probably a good teacher, but there's no way he really did that. I believe Jesus did this. But you see it from day one, and I think it's why Jesus made it so clear for us. He begins to appear to certain people. He begins to show himself to people. And, uh, and, and one of those guys was Thomas. Uh, we, we labeled him Doubting Thomas because he was a doubter. And, and, uh, and you see him doubting. Anybody seen the Bible series? This, this on TV. I mean, how cool is that to see the Bible being portrayed? And, and I love and I hope Hollywood takes notice. Come on. I hope they take notice that we see how incredible the records are in that, in that show and, and what's going on because people are hungry for truth. But Thomas in there, and he kind of got on my nerves on, as I was watching the Bible because he wanted to doubt everything. You don't have to doubt Jesus. You can trust him. You can believe that. And he did this. He began to show himself to people. 1 Corinthians 15. Verses 3 through 8 said this. It says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins. Again, it's a picture of the gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried, and then he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by 12. He was, he was appearing and, being, and showing himself to the disciples. And then in verse 6, I think it was really cool, and I think it was so fitting, that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to this present, but some have fallen asleep. That means that some who were there had already passed on when this was written. But verse 7 says that after that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then the last day of all he was seen by me, also as by one born out of due time. Do you understand this? This is our hope today. This is our hope today. Everything hinges on this today. Everything hinges upon this promise of what's here. 1 Corinthians 15, 14 says that if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and our faith is also empty. We're wasting our time if Jesus is not alive today. Come on. We're wasting, if Jesus is not here, not risen, not alive today, we're wasting our time. And verse 17 says that if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. It's because of Jesus today. If you've accepted him, if you're in a relationship with him today, your sins are forgiven. They've been, they've been, they're gone today and you've been made new in him. And I believe it today. And so after you would see Jesus appearing to those disciples, they had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus I love what takes place. Everything begins to change for these guys. You see these guys that were once ashamed. They were once in so much fear. When Jesus came to them, a lot of these guys were locked in a room, scared like a bunch of little girls. If you're a little girl, I apologize. You know? But it's the only thing I had going on right now. But, but I mean, in fear, but the resurrected Jesus appears to them. And this is what happens. They begin to stand up for the truth. And there's so much stuff that's said about the gospel. They so many things said. There, there are people saying, well, those guys, they're lying for him and they're telling this stuff. And, and they're lying. Listen to me. 
Why? Nobody does this. Nobody lies to get themselves strung up on a cross. Nobody lies to get themselves beaten. 11 out of the 12 disciples died in martyr's death, and they gave their life because they believe and trusted it. Honestly, don't we lie when it does us some good? It's okay. You can say it and be honest in here. Some of y'all, you're lying right now just by looking. I see the look on your face right now. Come on, let's, let's be honest. But don't we do that? I mean, but these guys were willing to lay it all on the line. They were willing to step up and say, yeah, yes, it, it did happen. I watched him die, and I encountered the resurrected Jesus. Paul, a guy who was, who was killing Christians at one point in his life, when he come in contact with Jesus, his life began to change. He gave himself for the gospel. He says in Romans 1.16 that he is unashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God to salvation for all that believe. You don't do this based on a lie. You do this when you encounter truth. And they saw the resurrected Jesus that day. They came in contact with him. And everything changes when you see Jesus. Everything changes when you see Jesus. Oh, man, I'm so thankful. We don't have to be in fear. We can understand that Jesus died for us. We can understand that he's living again. And here's the awesome, and I love this, a great end of the story that Jesus puts right here in Revelation for us, that he is the one who holds the keys. Come on. It's not he holds a key, one of the keys. There's, There's not many ways to God. I'm sorry, media, liberal media, who wants to say there's many ways. There is one way, and his name's Jesus. And and he is the only way. He said, I am the truth, and I am the life. And he holds the keys because here's the truth. Every one of us are, are, are dead in our sins until Jesus comes. And so in this story, Jesus says this. He says that I hold the keys. We see him earlier in, in, in his ministry sharing with, with uh, Mary and Martha when his good friend Lazarus had died. He makes one of the most incredible statements I've ever heard. He, he, he comes in the same way he had power over life and death and his death. He had it over the life of Lazarus and over your life today. And he done this. He said, I am the resurrection and life. Do you hear this? Not only can he bring you life, he is life. He holds the keys for us. He is the one who gives us life. And in John 10, 10, it says the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus said it. I've come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Come on, amen. Ain't that good news today that we can have life in him? Oh, man. Romans 8, 11. I want to share this from the Message Bible. I just love how it reads. It says this. It said, it stands to reason, doesn't it, that the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life. Come on. If he's never moved into your life, he wants to move into your life today. Oh, man, he wants to move into your life and set up a residence there. When he moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. And when God lives and breathes in you as he does and as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from the dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ. Come on, man. Amen. Aren't you thankful? Come on, aren't you thankful? Ah, so such good news. He came to give you life. 
Ravi Zacharias, a pastor, said this, and I love this statement. He said, Jesus Christ did not come into this world to make bad people good. He came into this world to make dead people live. Amen? He came into this world to give you life today. Oh, man, I want Gary to come around, and, and I, I want to close with something here. And I love this. I, this is Easter, man. This is a time where churches around the world are talking about Jesus, and they're sharing this, this incredible story, and I love it. And it's really neat what some churches are doing, and I think it's awesome and nothing wrong with it. Man, there's some churches that, I heard one church got like a 3D Jesus Easter thing going on, man. You know, I'm, that's pretty cool, you know. I mean, that'd be kind of neat, and, and I love it. And I begin to think about, man, what can we really do, man, to to impress the people, man, it's Easter. We want to leave a lasting impact, man. I thought about coming out of the sky, man, in a helicopter. <laughs> Somebody said, man, with my beard, they reminded, I reminded them of Jesus. Somebody else said, I reminded them of Judas. So I don't know which one I, 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 I don't know which one I feel better about, Jesus or Judas. But, but, but I was like, man, how can we do that? How can we really drive home a point? And I, I'm going to be honest with you. I sat back and I prayed and I began to think. And I was like, man, come on, man, I'm creative. I can do this. I can give them something or whatever. And it was just like the Holy Spirit. God said, listen to me. Terry, you got to understand, what I did is enough. That, that story is enough. And it was just so strange. I, we did this Tuesday night. We, we hung out in, in, in Sunset Park at the Malden Egg Drop, and we shared the gospel message of Jesus would, I don't know how many people come up to our table. And we did it away. And I'm going to close the service. Kind of interesting. Maybe not as good as the helicopter. Probably not as good as the 3D Jesus. But listen to me. This story's enough. They're doing this down the hall in our kids' ministry today. So your kids are going to have one of these. And I got to thinking about it. I was like, man, how so simple and so cool but yet so enough. And we did this. We, we had a little something called Bible candy, and, and we shared this message with, with kids and with parents Tuesday night, and, and again, it was just so exciting to see that message going into hearts and lives. And kids and parents and all of us, they were sitting there going, man, that's cool. And I just began to think about how cool it is just in itself. And listen, Jimmy, we don't have to have the lights, the smoke, and the cameras, and all this side of things, but we got to have Jesus. And the story of Jesus is enough, and I love it. And, it, and it's just something simple like this. They, the first level of, of candy that we pour in here is, is gold or yellow. And it represents heaven. And I believe this. I believe that Jesus created a place that he wants to spend eternity with us in. I believe it was his original plan. It was his original design from day one to spend eternity with you. You see, when he created in the Garden of Eden that he wanted to have a relationship with, with Adam and with Eve. He wanted to walk with them and spend time with them. That was his plan. And he wanted to just have this. But listen to me. God always knows everything. He, nothing ever takes him by surprise. Nothing ever catches him off guard. He knew what would t- take place. And he knew this. He knew that we would sin one day. And so we use the, the uh, candy here for the represent the sin in our life. And here's what's the truth. Every person in this room has sinned. Every person in this room, because of the sin in our life, have been separated for spending eternity with God. But I'm so thankful that God always had a plan. The Bible says before the foundation of the earth, that, that, that lamb we were singing about being slain, Jesus already had a plan. He knew that he would step out of heaven one day. He would step into skin. 
And he would step onto a cross and die for us. And we use the red representing the blood of Jesus. Oh, man. I'm so thankful for the blood of Jesus. <laughs> Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no sacrifice. There is no forgiveness of sin. There is no other way. Jesus had to do this for us. And his plan was for this, to not allow the sin, not allow your human, your frail, your messed up mind in our life to keep him, keep us from him. So he did this in our place. He came and gave his life. And so here's what we do. We trust in this story. We trust in this message. We trust that we believe Jesus did it for us. The Bible says we confess in our mouth, believe in our heart that Jesus did that for us. And we're saved. <laughs> Represents a clean heart. It represents being made new. I love it. The Bible says when we're in Christ, old things pass away. Come on. Behold, all things become new, man. He makes you new in him. Oh, man. All right. Okay. Here's what I'm going to do, Pastor. I'm going to do this. I'm going to come back to this series, and I'm going to start learning, and, and then one day I'm going to be good enough, and I'm going to listen to me. You can come to church. You can meet me out here tomorrow morning and come in the church and do all these things. And listen to me, never in any way earn your salvation. There's no way can, you can do that. I'll, I'll tell you this. When you get saved and God comes in your life, you encounter him, he'll tell you like he told the disciples, go share this. Go do this. But listen to me. There's nothing that you could do. So Jesus came and he makes us new in him. And the last color, I love it. This is what's so cool. So many people think that salvation is the finish line. We're running across the, 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 our, the, with our chest out across the finish line when we get saved. And I believe this. I think it's just the beginning. I think when you come, it's that's in that moment that you really begin to grow. That's when like, green stuff starts to pop up out of the ground right now. It's weeds at my house, not grass. But, but green stuff is starting to pop up out of the ground. And growth's happening. And this is what takes place. When you come and accept Jesus... When you trust in him, you believe that he created a place for you, but you know that you can't get there alone and you trust in Jesus, he gives you a clean heart. And it's from that moment you begin to grow in him. And this is the good news today. This is the good news today. Jesus always has to be the center of it all. He wants to be today the center of your life. And I want you to do this with me. I want you to stand to your feet. And if you're in this room today and, man, you've accepted Jesus, you're alive in him right now, I want you to act like it for just a few moments. I want you to put your hands together. I want you to celebrate life today. I want you to celebrate that you're living today. Oh, man. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If today you're in this room and you're in Christ, listen to what Scripture says in 1 John. This is the testimony, in essence, that God gave us eternal life. God gave us eternal life. The life is in His Son. Verse 12 says that for whoever has the Son has life today. But whoever rejects the Son rejects life. And my question is this, why reject a free gift? Why reject what's been given for you? So today, I want to encourage you today. If, if you're not living the life of fullness in Christ, you know what's cool today? He wants to have a relationship with you so you don't live in fear. You don't live in fear. You trust in him. You trust in the promise. You trust in what he did for you on the cross. I just want everybody in this room to just close your eyes for a moment. If, you're, if you have already made this decision to follow Jesus, I just want you to take a moment and just begin to pray because you may have brought a friend. 
You may have brought somebody who may need to make that decision today. And listen to me, we're all dead in our sins. We're, there is no life in us apart from Jesus. There is none. I don't care how successful you are, how much money you have, how well you dress. It doesn't matter what you drive. Without Jesus, we're dead. But he came that you might have life and that you may have it more abundantly in him today.